Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we will be talking about the Browns' significant stumble, the start of the Cavs season, and the possible signs that I may be getting old. I'm joined again tonight by two of the best ever. Tommy Burke is back. Tom, how are you? I'm good, Gerbs. How you doing, bud? I'm all right, man. And Phil Denko is here as well. Phil, how are you? I'm good. Good to see you guys again. Let's not waste any time, Tommy. We'll dive in. Capitalism is often credited for booming economies, fostering human ingenuity, and fostering free societies where open markets drive human progress. But its concerns over income inequality increase and issues of racial, economic, and social justice become more prominent in the public sphere, the capitalist system faces growing scrutiny. Tommy, is capitalism a blessing? Well, it's funny you say that because I was just talking to my uh, priest this week about it. Um, (laughs) And uh, we actually do think it's a blessing. Capitalism is amazing. And anybody that thinks otherwise, you're a moron. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you. Well done. Before we get into the rest of the show, guys, I want to let you know that I'm going to do things a little bit differently tonight. I feel like there is a lot of stuff to talk about from today's Browns game, but I think there's also some, also some interesting stuff in other Cleveland sports news to discuss. So we're going to get rid of the on the road portion of the show tonight. We're going to do a long talk about what happened with the Browns today, move into in the second segment, some other Cleveland sports news, and then close things out with our regular off the field segment. Sound good? Sounds good. It does. Kind (laughs) of. Yeah. A lot lot of talk about the Browns. Yeah, I don't know how great it sounds. Yeah, sure. The Browns now 10 and 5 suffer a pretty disappointing loss today, even in the circumstances in which they played the game. Didn't look very good at really any point of today's game. Offense, I think, really had some problems. The defense just seemed to blow plays when they needed them the most. You know, I think it's a pretty significant hit to their playoff hopes as well. So, Tom, why don't you explain to me why I shouldn't be panicking right now about the Browns season? (laughs) I actually think we're going to beat the Steelers. I feel like they're going to turn around this week. It it was ugly today. It really was, and very unfortunate. They missed big tackles. I can think of Kevin Johnson twice had tackles that he could have made that would have stopped drives, and he just flat out missed them. Baker went back to kind of the Baker from a few weeks ago where everything was high. He was unfortunately not confident at all to go to the receivers and i get it those are not receivers he's played with you can't stare down the tight ends all day long you can't stare down throwing the running backs all day long at some point you actually have to try to trust these guys that played football before they're running routes they can get open give somebody a shot unfortunately he waited until late into the second half until he actually started using these wide receivers and he looked awful today i think baker hurt us a lot in a situation like this where you're not going to have all your wide receivers at some point you just got to play and and let it happen and figure it out and trust these guys at least a little bit and figure you know figure something out because the run wasn't working baker's got to make those passes and he wasn't making them today do you think the the injuries on the offensive line were a bigger issue than not having the wide receivers i do but i'll let phil take it I agree with you, Burke. I, I do as well. I think, you know, you've I got need to get you guys to start disagreeing. Like, we're never going to oh. get like, <laughs> like, you know, first take type ratings on this podcast. If you guys disagree <laughs> with everything everybody's saying, like somebody takes some sort of totally unreasonable asinine position just to start an argument so we can get some ratings. I, I can fall on that sword. Give me time. Give me time. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, five minutes. Yeah. All right. 
So, you know, without your left tackle, your starting left tackles out, <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're, st- uh, you're on what, your third string right guard. That's a huge problem for that offense. Uh, Baker took four sacks today. He fumbled the ball three times. Uh, a lot of that is offensive line play. I-, I feel like with a starting offensive line, you're getting the running game established. Kind of a weird game for Baker to set his career record in pass attempts going into the right. game with, with isn't Alger. that a terrible sign yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and I wonder and I don't know we'd have to get an offensive lineman on the pod I wonder if part of the game plan is it's easier for linemen who aren't starters or experienced to pass block than to run block in the scheme I don't know calling all these plays and to Burke's point throwing it to your tight ends 50 out of the 53 times it almost felt like it did seem that way so I I think the line the line being down was huge today probably more important than the the four wide receiver didn't seem like anybody could catch I mean it seemed (laughs) like there were there were dropped balls all over the field from the tight ends from the wide receivers even Hunt Hunt dropped one right yeah Yeah. he had a couple yeah just an all-around sloppy game well we we talked about this in weeks past you know this Browns team is certainly moving in the right direction and learning how to win in different ways obviously today was not one of those days, but there's not a whole lot of room for error. They've got to play a pretty clean game. So you take stud wide receivers out of the mix and your offensive line out of the mix and you don't play a clean game on top of that. It's not good. I, I no, still I agree. agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I didn't understand the uh, play calling really from the beginning of the game. You come out, you basically throw on every down really made no sense to me. Obviously you have the best stack duo in maybe all football and you come out I get it. You're thinking, oh, okay, they're going to stuff the run. So let's let's go ahead and throw. But you still have to establish the run early. Do you think they and, knew that they weren't going to be able to because of the offensive line? Or or was this was this Stefanski just trying to be too smart? I, I think it was more of that. Although at the same time, of course, again, you go back to the offensive line. And that's the problem is you got Harris that's filling in who awful um, today played well. Yeah, awful. he was he was awful today. He played well last week. Awful today. The left tackle position, actually, with uh, what was his name? Ham or what else? Name is Lamb. We can, um, we can call him that. Lamb, him Ham, whatever. Lamb, whatever we want to call him. Different um, barnyard food yeah, item. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to learn his name because I don't want him actually being in the game that much longer. So, in a poor attempt to disagree with Burke here, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it wasn't as much the line as it was perhaps what the Jets were doing defensively because the first. I think with the first two series um, on offense, so you didn't even know the line was playing poorly yet. (laughs) In the first series, you went three and out or whatever it was. You were throwing the ball right from the jump. I wonder if it was Mm -hmm. reading the Jets' defense, eight men in the box. All right, fine. You know what? We've got tight ends, and we're going to put our running backs out there, and we're going to get Baker out in space and throw the ball so that they start loosening up their defense, and then here comes the running attack. And because of the turnovers and the way the first half went, before you knew it, like, all right, we're down 10 points. We're down 17 points. And now you have to throw the ball over the field. I, I don't know. Right. By the, by the, by the, by the middle of the third quarter, yeah, you, had you needed to score points because and the defense did. kept doing things like leaving wide receivers wide open in the end zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it, it looked like they blew coverages three or four times in the game. And I guess the thing that 
surprises me the most and was kind of the disheartening thing about the entire game was we haven't seen them make this type of mistake almost all season long. And to, and to see it all coming down against, you know, a team with nothing to play for and, you know, 14 losses already on the year, whatever it is, it was a pretty demoralizing. I almost canceled the pot. I'm not going to lie. I was so <laughs> yeah. demoralized by the way they played today. Yeah. Yeah. I almost canceled tonight. The news to come down yesterday, such last minute that the team was going to lose six starters. They couldn't even fly to New Jersey. And this all came down last night. That was hard enough to take, but I still felt like, okay, you go in there and you rally these guys and you beat a New York Jets team, right? You do that. right? And you're right. It it was a demoralizing game. It looked like they just really didn't get their stuff together until mid-third quarter to where they could all right, now there's some rhythm and some pace, and they did mount a comeback, right? Grasping at straws for some sort of uh, <laughs> positive uh, from this game. Yeah. If there is one, though, they did that. They were down twenty to three, and then scored two touchdowns. You know, they were right. They were right there. I don't know. I agree with you though, Gerbs. I, I feel like overall, it's still demoralizing. It's a Jets team. You go in there and you beat. If you're a playoff team, you beat. Yeah, and in, yeah. and in fairness to Stefanski, he's a first year head coach who has done an outstanding job this year, and he got dealt a, a really hard hand last night it probably would be totally different if they had known on wednesday these guys wouldn't be able to play but they find out a night before and that's a really tough thing to try to deal with and maybe we expect too much for a guy in his first head coaching job to figure that out and to figure out a game plan that's going to win that game even against the jets yeah, you um, saw some of the penalties we had too, and you saw just how annoyed he was yeah, by some of those yeah, penalties. Yeah. They would they would show him, and he was just pissed off. They showed some of the old pictures of him, and I'm pr- I'm pretty sure he could still play on our defense. I'm not going to lie to you. Not a not a high bar to leap over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looked he looked good in those pads. I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, Tom. <laughs> wow, that, got, that made things weird. <laughs> Put, All right. Put a pin in that. Let's circle back to Tom's. Yeah. Tom's oh, didn't, you, didn't, didn't you see the whole thing from coming back from the uh, break where they, they were showing him and his uh, yeah, yeah. where he was playing? Yeah. Yeah. He, he looked, looked like good. a football coach playing college football. Sure. Yeah, right. In the Ivy League. <laughs> right. Yeah. Phil, is this. The Matt Miller School of Driving pump the brakes moment for all of us. Is this the game that shows us that the Browns are a good team, but not yet a great team? That's hard to say, given the team that they fielded today, I guess. You know, um, I guess we probably were overly excited if anyone was going to anoint them a great team. We, we've been a good team all season, right? It's been a good team there. They've got some decent wins on their resume. For the most part, they beat the teams they should have all year. You know, the, the the Tennessee win, the Indianapolis win, those are good wins. This is this game and the Raiders game, you're gonna look back at and think, ah, oh, man, win one yeah. of those two and, and you're already in. That said, if if we're teetering between a good team and a great team, then next weekend you still control your own destiny. Go out there and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. That would push that a little bit further toward that, okay, this is a great team. Burke, did you know that this wasn't a great team? <laughs> Yeah, no, I always knew this was not a great team. You want to think that Baker's elite. He's still not elite. He's still not somebody that I look at and say, this is an elite quarterback. You want to be an elite quarterback? 
come back. In, in um, Baker's progression, though, if, if we looked at this year as his second year and, and last year is a wash because it was such sure. a disaster, okay. I still feel like, yeah, he's not elite. Who would expect a second-year quarterback to be elite, or in this case, a third-year quarterback? He's showing a lot of progression and some evolution to his game, I think. There was a bit of a, I agree, again, sorry, Burke, I keep agreeing with you. You're just you're just so good at this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I agree that today nice was a bit of something. a... <laughs> <laughs> Today was a bit of a step backwards in terms of Baker Mayfield's actual quarterbacking and leading this team, right? You know, that happens. And let's see, how do they bounce back next week? Hopefully you have at least half of the four wide receivers that missed the game today so you can run the offense. So do we have a Sendejo moment? <laughs> I actually uh, I actually had a couple. There was there was one where, um, of course, there's there was pass over the middle. They gained like 15 yards or whatever. Again, he goes flying over the, the pile. Typical Sendejo. You know, that's the thing where he feels like he's in the play, but he's really not. Right. It's just so Sendejo. The other one is he should have had a pick six and it went right through his hands yeah, that was mine yeah. yes yeah <laughs> you thought he had it and he was gonna go the other way completely misses it it got knocked down they didn't get the first down so it was a nice play but at the same time he should have taken it back for six right and somehow and we could have used that yeah, yeah. yeah. misses it changer. and then do, and changer. then does like a somersault afterwards which is really cool <laughs> he looked really good doing the somersault afterwards so I, i'll give him credit for the somersault afterwards that he good gymnastics yeah he's so agile that guy Dango, well, do you have anything? Sendejo moment of the game for me, and I don't even know if this would count, but since Burke took like two or three of them there, I'll, I'll try. On the trick play, when the Jets scored, when, when Jamison threw the touchdown pass, they kept panning out so I could see 10 of the 11 Browns defenders, and Sendejo was not on the screen at all. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming... <laughs> I'm assuming he was the 11th defender and just nowhere to be found there. Yeah. There's a chance he wasn't actually on the field during that play, but I'm assuming he was the 11th guy I couldn't see. He's never on, the, he's never on the screen. <laughs> That's your safety's job right there, right? Like that trick play, yeah. like, all right, don't let anyone get by you. And yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Well, I guess wearing my my new Sendejo t-shirt for the game didn't, didn't bring us any luck <laughs> and didn't, didn't, really, help, no. didn't really help him at all. With that, I think we can put a bow on the Jets game and look ahead to Pittsburgh next week. And from what I read this afternoon and what I had the stat department look up, I think that if they beat the Steelers, they're in yeah. no matter what, right? Yep, yep. They're winning there. And if they lose, it, it's almost impossible for them to be in. So they lose, they end up 10 and 6. So you would need Indianapolis or Miami, or maybe both to lose. So there's a couple 10 and 6 teams because we would we would control the tiebreaker against the Colts. Right. Technically speaking, the Titans could also end up 10 and 6. So one of those teams is going to win the division. The other one, if they're 10 and six, we would own the tiebreaker again. So we would go ahead of them. If you look at the matchups for next week, um, it does not favor the Browns. They should just go ahead and win their right. game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We need to go ahead and win. So and Mark, I think what we're going to be Brown, pretty pumped up for that. Well, what do the Browns need to do differently in this game against the Steelers than the first time they played them this year to win the game? <laughs> Bring the, uh, the heat on Roethlisberger. Yeah. If we have everybody back, bring Goodson, you know, if we have Goodson back and everybody, the linebackers are back, our defense can shut these guys down. You got to take Claypool out of it. Like how? Like Tanya Harding? If style? you need to. Uh, can like, there be a second? What I mean Matt is Miller take a bat to his legs. Yeah. Can we take a bat to his legs? Is that okay? <laughs> well, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> No. I, I never expected to hear our defense can shut these guys down 
when referring to any team other than perhaps the Jets or the Jaguars. <laughs> I actually disagree with Burke's take on this. <laughs> if the defense is to shut down the Steelers, you need good linebacker play. You need your defensive line to put pressure on a, a slow and old Roethlisberger, which I will say today, Miles Garrett looked quicker. That was a good sign. He looked quicker off the ball, so so maybe they're able to pressure him, but that, that's the key. Sorry to, to step all over your take there, Burke, but I, I disagreed. I thought I would take that option. <laughs> Sorry. That was awesome. Very heated. Yeah. I like it. I know. Yeah. Very upset with each other. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably never talk again. <laughs> no. My point was take Claypool. Am I still allowed to make that point? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, take yeah, uh, Denzel Ward's going to be on Claypool. Follow him all over the field. Juju is not that good. I'm sorry, he's not. He's not a very good player. Sandeo on him then. Yeah, you can put Sandeo on him and we might be okay. Kevin Johnson might even be able to cover him. I think we could take them away. You got to put pressure on uh, Roethlisberger, which I think we will. I think we're going to be ready to go. And I think our team is going to be ready to go this week because they're going to be pissed off after what they had to go through against the Jets. And I think they're going to be ready to go. So I does, think, timing, um, does timing play a role in this? Any? I don't think any of the guys that missed today's game will see the practice field until Thursday at the earliest. Maybe not. I, I, I'm just my, – my take is based on them all being back, <laughs> you know. Sure, sure. So, obviously, if we're going to go into the Steelers with no wide receivers again, then screw everything I'm saying. <laughs> if we're going back into this and Goodson and those guys are all back, i tell you what, I think the Browns are going to come out fired up and they're i think they're gonna take it to the steelers i really do that would be fantastic i i think the guys who were out today were all out because of close contact tracing yeah i don't even any think of they were positive, positive. Tests. yeah right so, so goodson, i think that they were in the wide they, receiver room. i think i thought goodson was a positive test goodson tested yes. positive so he's uh, probably not going to be back right so the contact tracing the way i understood it after the game today was those other guys have to test negative twice before they're allowed back in the facility. So tomorrow's an off day. So they test negative. Let's say they test negative Monday, Tuesday, based on the schedule, they were talking that these guys would be on the field then Thursday for practice and putting the game plan in. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe that doesn't make as much of a difference as, as we would think if early week stuff is a lot of film study and, you know, prep for who you're you're going against, and then you're you're really not on the field running through things until Wednesday, Thursday. Anyway, maybe it doesn't make much of a difference. I like Burke's uh, attitude, though. I I, I, no, I, I feel like these yeah, guys are gonna take have a swag to them. They're gonna they miss this week. They're gonna be pissed off. They lost to the Jets. They're gonna have a swag to them. And you know what? Steelers are not that good. Fuck them. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I got to tell you, Burke, you just cheered me up from my depression after watching today's game. I'm really glad you're here tonight, and we're going to end our segment on the Browns on that note. Yes. Go ahead and take our first break. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by the following sponsor. Do you ever feel like you are getting great opportunities in life and in your career, and you just want to ruin them? But you just don't know how to go about pissing away that opportunity, and you want to do it in the most public way possible? What you need is the Dwayne Haskins Leadership and Mentoring Academy. By simply signing up for one of the Academy's affordable online classes, you can immediately start learning how to make immature and unprofessional decisions that are sure to cause your boss and everyone around you to question whether you should ever be put in a leadership position or paid lots of money to be the public face of the company. Dr. Haskins will also show you how to invest the money you have earned in a safe and secure place like strippers. The Academy's illustrious faculty, including Ryan Leaf, 
Derek Coleman, and Jamarcus Russell will provide valuable insights and lessons to help you make sure you get out of that dream job with swag and sizzle. Carpe diem, not a chance. Join the Dwayne Haskins Leadership and Mentoring Academy today. All right, we are back for our second segment to talk Cleveland sports, and I would like to start by talking about the Cleveland Cavs, uh, now 3-0. and We're recording this on Sunday night, and I just watched the end of their game against the 76ers, and they put the smackdown on them. Sixers didn't have Embiid, but still a, a, a nice game for the Cavs. And Tommy, I'm, I'd like to know if you think there there's reason for hope for this year's Cavs team. I think there's definitely reason for hope. I'm not a big NBA guy anymore, but I have been watching the Cavs. And uh, I tell you what, their point guards are studs. Garland and Sexton can ball. And Sexton puts up points like you wouldn't believe. And i tell you what, Drummond is an absolute stud. He really is. I mean, he controls the paint and he makes it look easy. The other night, he got matched up against Derrick Rose, point guard, by the way. (laughs) Old one at that. Allegedly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He may be 48 years old. I'm not sure. Is he older than us now? (laughs) Has he passed us up? I think he has. Just today. (laughs) Yeah. He just passed us up. But anyways, Drummond, the guy's 6'11". He's he's bending down. He's playing better defense than I've seen from most point guards or shooting guards or whatever. He knocks the ball away from Derrick Rose, who's taking him one-on-one, knocks the ball away. I mean, he made a great play. I mean, this guy is athletic, and he's 6'11". I actually uh, sent a text today. I said, can we just pay Drummond whatever he wants? Because this is a guy you build a team around. He's he's that good. He really it's, is that you good. Still, do you still build NBA teams around that type of guy, or has the importance of the three point shot gotten to be so big in every game that you actually don't use those kind of guys anymore he's not your typical center though he's so athletic that you build it around him because he's so good defensively but also he made some nice shots offensively this is a guy who's putting up 23 points he's boarding like 20 rebounds every night yeah I mean, he's unreal. You know, he's not great. He doesn't have a beautiful shot or anything. It's not It's not something where he's going to, you know, draw you out and shoot threes. Tell you what, man, he owns that paint. <laughs> That's his paint, man. So I, I'll take him. I okay. like it. Or are Burke's you, in uh, on Drummond. I like it. Yeah. So, Burke, Kevin Stefanski or Andre Drummond, if you had an <laughs> opportunity to go out to dinner with one to of them. Oh, just for dinner, Tom. Just for dinner. Go oh, just date. for dinner? Oh, I'm going to dinner <laughs> well, with Drummond. Talk. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. yeah, yeah. We're getting like uh, some shrimp cocktail and. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh All yeah, right. yeah. We're having a good time, I, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure we're heading to the strip club afterward. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kevin Stefanski's yeah. probably going Stefanski's home. Stefanski's not going to a strip club. <laughs> no, no, no. He's got to go back to the. He's got to go shit. back to the facility and get ready <laughs> yeah. for the next game. That guy bores right. me. Please, right. Drummond and I are hitting the the clubs, man. Phil, what do you think the the Cavs have ahead of them this season? They've got. The, a good combination of young, what we hope is is good starting talent in, in the league, and some decent experience in your well, really good experience with Kevin Love in your you know at your forward position, and then Drummond at your center. So they're playing what seventy two games this year. I, I think this team maybe they go five hundred, and that would be a move in the right direction. Like Burke, though, I'm not a not a huge NBA guy. I watch the Cavs. I follow the Cavs. I don't know. I, you know, starting off three and zero is great. I still think five hundred is is probably a successful 
year for this Cavs team and probably get you into the playoffs. That was going to be my uh, next yeah. question. Do they, yeah. they yeah. win enough games to make the playoffs in the East? Yeah, yeah. probably. 500, they could be a – I think they have enough talent too, yes. Yeah, you've got three starters now that are under the age of 22 and then Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Yeah, I mean – Over the age of 22. No, no, no. Three starters under the age of no, 22. No, Kevin Love and Andre Drum- Drummond. Those are those two older are older than 22. Yeah, they are yes. over, but three yeah. of them are under – if we keep talking long enough, they'll be older than us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Have they passed us up yet? Do you think they can count on Kevin Love all season long? Well, until they do. Uh, well, he got hurt tonight, so I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah, that was what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even sure? see anything happen. It, it, it definitely yeah. looked like a 40-year-old guy injury. Like he turned his head too fast and strained his neck and needed to come off the court or something like that. Yeah. Is he even 30 yet? No, I don't think. Well, maybe just 30. He might. I don't know. <laughs> A 40-year-old injury. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute, I'm 29. <laughs> oh, it's, he's got a lot of miles, a lot of NBA minutes. Oh, that's it. true. It yeah. ages you. Uh, I did enjoy watching the game with no fans in the stands because it reminded me of when I used to go to games during the Sean Kemp era. <laughs> you could oh. hear their shoes squeaking on the floor like it was yeah, a right. high school game. Uh, I thought you. I think I was going to say, I thought you were saying uh, – when you used to go to the NCL games, no, no, we had fans in those stands, man. Oh, man. We were always in those stands. Yeah, no, yeah. I know you guys were there, but that was it. No, that's not true. That's not true. You guys, we had good support for that team, uh, better than the Cavs had for when Sean Kemp was leading the team. <laughs> yes, yes, the fat uh, Sean right. Kemp. I'd like to move on and talk some baseball. Talk some. Cleveland baseball club with you guys, just because there's starting to be more stories popping up right now about what they're going to do with Lindor and Tommy, I wanted yeah. to know what you thought about whether they're going to be able to move him this off season. Uh, I think at this point they have to, I don't see him staying here. This team's not putting any money into anything. So I think they pretty much have to move him. I'm trying to think of who we would go to, you know, you're going to trade him. You better get some big time talent, but I think you have to move him to someplace with big time money because no, sure. nobody's going to make that move unless they can sure. sign him, and they're going to have to sign him for. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge money. Yeah. Although I tell you what, he had a shitty season, real yeah. bad season this past year. He hurt himself with the way he played this past season. He really did. But at the same time, teams like the Yankees, obviously, uh, you know, maybe the angels, you know, those kind of teams that will spend a lot of that money, they'll still spend it on him. And you know, he's still worth a lot of money, but he just, he had a horrible season. It was just bad. Not the happy-go-lucky guy that, you know, everybody talks right. about. Oh, Mr. Smiles. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't there. It wasn't there this year. If the tribe's going to move them before the contract's up, they better get some some nice return as far so, as what, what they're going to get. So can they move them this offseason is different than should they move them. I think we all agree sure. that they should move him. Like, they need to move this guy, right? Yes, we, right. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, he's not going to stay. Not gonna pay him, yeah. Right, right. The can they move them move him this offseason is is tricky I, you know the teams you mentioned Burke, the yankees the dodgers the angels you know maybe you throw a cubs in there or something out or a braves i don't know sure. they also know the position the cleveland baseball club is in and mm-hmm. will probably come up with a deal that is nowhere near as good as you could have got for lindor prior mm-hmm. to last year if last year's or even during last season if last season was a normal season so now the tribe, unfortunately, might be stuck with, all right, we're going to take a haul of prospects, maybe one starter on the big league team, and hope that some of these prospects turn out. If none of their offers are 
are good enough in their mind going into the season, I don't know, then, then you're really up against it come trade trade deadline, right? Cause then yeah. you're, you're not going to get the same kind of rental that we got for Sabathia with the Brewers. Cause that's, that's a starting pitcher on a team that was about to make the playoffs. Right. You're not going to, you're not going to get that mid season. Boston, Boston might be a team. Boston might be. is a team that has fallen off. I don't know what they have in the farm system, but Boston's a team that's kind of fallen off that has not performed lately. And of course, they like to be in the the scene. What do they have in their farm system? What we're going to go after, as bad as it sucks, is, you know, when you're getting rid of a Lindor, you want to get something that is pretty studly as far as like what you're getting in return. I don't think we're going to get that. So does Boston maybe have something in their farm system, something that you're going to build off of going forward because that's what the Indians do. That's all we do. We, we build up players. We get players that we go for a few years and it, it goes really well. And maybe we actually get into the playoffs, deep in the playoffs or whatever. We're never going to pay somebody a lot of money. So we're always going to go for these guys that maybe are just prospects that can be very good. And then we build them up and then we send them off to some other team that's going to then pay them eventually. Well, I think that you know. that approach is fine, you know, with our front office and, and our market. We can't let what happened with Manny Ramirez and Jim Tomey happen anymore. You know, when you've got those guys and they're going to leave in free agency, you got to move them at the right time. When Ramirez and Tomey left, our window was slammed shut and there was a lot of downtime to build back up to be a, a contender again. I feel like this time it's all right. We move Lindor. Uh, every day that goes by, we get potentially less quality back for him. Him. We move Lindor for guys that are going to be good in a few seasons. Then who mans the shortstop position next year so that we can ride our starting pitching again to potentially a division crown and a weak division? Okay. And then you get in the playoffs and you, you can't stack up against these guys anyway. I, I really think our opportunity to trade Francisco Lindor for big league all-star talent has already passed. I, I don't I'm about to ask you is, if you, is the team already too late in seeking to move him? Yes. For starting, like I thought going right. into last year, perhaps they would get a trade going with uh, the Dodgers and we get their young shortstop. They take Lindor like, okay, great. That seems like, all right, we have a mm-hmm. plug and play shortstop. Let's go move forward with this guy and the other guys we got in that deal. And now that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at prospects. So you're, you're going to start next year with a lot of holes out there in the field. So you, you better have three Cy Young starting pitchers on your roster. Yeah. yeah. And we've drafted, I believe we drafted two shortstops already. In the meantime, we obviously knew that Lindor was going. Do you think that his market is going to be so damaged by having a down year during COVID season where everything was interrupted and it was a shortened season? It's a smaller window of getting to watch him play and for him to be able to perform. You really think that's going to have that big an impact on teams who want to go after this guy who is certainly by now a proven top of the line major league baseball player honestly for francisco lindor we've got to be talking about four or five teams and i don't think his bad year last year in a weird covid year changes that it it doesn't not Um, for the big money teams no i think he could have had a, a good year last year a bad year last year or anywhere in between and the fact that last year was the way it was where it was a shortened season and you know all the offseason moves were were changed and a lot of teams didn't do anything because they didn't know what was going on with how the season was going to turn out quite honestly I, I i think regardless of his stats on the field last year the fact that he played all of last year with the indians 
decreased our ability to get a big return for him because now we're looking at he's he's under contract for one year yeah you know um that's the problem you, you trade that guy where he has two years maybe even you trade the guy with two years to a team that ultimately doesn't even sign him after those two years that two years is enough for them to make the move sure yeah. right and now that's not gonna happen so i'll tell you what worries me even more than losing a player like lindor or Losing some of the other guys we may lose in the next few years in free agency is losing Francona. Yeah. How many how many more seasons does this guy have when his health seems to be an issue? Certainly last year and, and even some the year before that. I, I think if the roster was better, uh, you got him for a year or two. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me if this offseason they turn it over to Elmar. Yeah. It really wouldn't. Wow. I think they've been grooming Elmar to take over. Anyways, and honestly, most of last year, Almar was, right. was the guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, which I'm perfectly fine with. I think Almar can handle it. He might not chew as much uh, gum. And, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I think you lose like to- Sandy's Sandy's a good next manager. The, the players in major league baseball look up to Sandy Alomar, right? Uh, he's, he's mm-hmm. got the, the, the resume he's got, he's, it seems like he's a good players manager, much like Tito, those kind of things don't change. It, it's interesting though, the, the relationship our front office has with Tito Francona and what they've been willing to do for him a little bit in his tenure with us. I, I, I would hope that would continue with with Sandy, uh, meaning that if there is that free agent, not that we are big spenders in the free agent market, but when there is that guy where you think in the moment, okay, Yasiel Puig is going to make a difference. You go out and get him or whatever. I would hope they would continue to do that rather than saying, okay, Sandy, you're a brand new manager. We're going to give you a brand new team, (laughs) you know, and everyone's going to come up through this together. That, that could be problematic. Well, I mean, maybe keep, you know, Frank Cohen around just in a uh, advisor role. You know, he doesn't have to manage the team, but have him around and and to help out and help uh, Sandy as, you know, in his early time as as a manager, or whatever, and, and but I think Sandy did a pretty good job, yeah, you know, filling sure. in. But maybe keep uh, Frank Cohen around. I don't know. I, I think Sandy is the obvious and and really good choice to replace him. But I think it's hard to replace a guy who is clearly one of the best there is at doing sure. his job. And Absolutely, it's it's going to be a tough transition to see him go. Yeah. But I appreciate you guys spending a little bit of time in the in the dead of winter talking baseball with me because that was a lot of fun. Why don't we uh, take our last break here and we'll move into our final segment, guys. This week's episode of Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by The Chubby. Looking for a good time but afraid that COVID-19 might not be a hoax? Worried that your standard condom or good timing isn't enough to keep you safe from a virus that may be transmitted to up-close indoor contact with someone new, then you need the Chubby, the first ever contraceptive mask for your main man. The Chubby is lightweight, breathable, and easy to put on even when you are in a rush. The Chubby is also fully guaranteed to keep your little buddy COVID-free as long as it's worn properly. COVID may be wreaking havoc on our economy and mental health, but it doesn't stand a chance against the Chubby. So get a Chubby, mask up and down, and hook up with confidence. Chubby is not approved by the FDA or any other respectable scientific organization. It will not provide protection for any known or unknown sexually transmitted diseases or pregnancy. All right, fellas, welcome to segment three. We're going to go off the field, and we're going to play a brand new game. Nice. It's going to be called Not Surprised, Surprised, or Shocked. That's just <laughs> your reactions to the statements that I'm going to make. I'm already so we'll start with you. I want to know if you're not surprised, surprised, or shocked by the fact that Christopher Walken has never owned a computer or a cell phone. 
I am not surprised. <laughs> really not, not surprised, surprised at all. Really? No, no, no. Why not? Uh, I, I feel like Christopher Walken, a tremendous actor and in some iconic roles, is in some ways playing himself in every one yeah. of those roles. <laughs> yeah. And if you think back to some of those roles, uh, yeah, that doesn't shock me at all. Uh, yeah. No, no cell phone. And you're just staring in the mirror doing those roles. It doesn't care about a computer at all. <laughs> okay, Burke, not yep. surprised, surprised, or shocked. Joe Exotic reached out to Kim Kardashian to get her help getting a pardon from the president. <laughs> not surprised at all. Actually, that <laughs> lines up perfectly because she's been working on those kind of things, uh, you know, getting people out of jail. And uh, obviously, Joe Exotic is going to figure out who could possibly help him with that. And you know, she's worked with Trump, so uh, who else would you go to? Obviously, you go to Kardashian. I mean, where else are you going to go? How, how likely do you think it is that Joe Exotic is getting a pardon? <laughs> I, no, he, no, he's not getting Okay. He's Phil, screwed. not he's surprised, surprised, or shocked that Kirk Cameron is hosting maskless Christmas caroling <laughs> events in California. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised at all because... He is a Bible beating, just <laughs> science doesn't exist at all kind of guy, right? Like that is, yeah. and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. That is my impression of Kirk Cameron. The last time I paid attention to Kirk Cameron was never. <laughs> so, oh, during growing pains. Come on. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So in the <laughs> sounds end, to me like he almost sounds like you. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, quite the opposite oh. of me. I, I said oh, he, was a, sorry. Oh, okay. he doesn't believe in science and he's a Bible beating individual that oh no um, i know what he does i just thought you guys were the same no we're not we're not <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm not shocked that he continues to hold maskless gatherings because uh, you know everything's in god's hands they'll be yeah. fine burke not surprised yeah. surprised or shocked philip rivers has as many touchdown passes as dan marino now you know what i'm not surprised because philip Rivers. i feel like philip rivers has been around for 48 years <laughs> Um, he's, he's so, older than us, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think he's definitely passed us up a long time ago. So it's it's really not that surprising. I, you know, what's crazy is I actually remember watching him playing at Ohio uh, Stadium against the. How many Buckeyes. beers have you had tonight, Tom? A few. Forty-eight. Um, <laughs> forty-eight. I'm guessing. At least forty-eight. Maybe um, maybe no, we should but, record um, this on a Browns loss Sunday. <laughs> that could be a problem. Right. <laughs> We lost, so I just kept drinking. But no, I actually uh, I did watch him live uh, against Ohio State. That feels like a million years ago. So it's, uh, it was. Yeah, it, was. It, it really was. Um, not, not to derail the game, but but when you think about it, doesn't Philip Rivers' professional career and Dan Marino's professional career kind of line up? You know, they're good quarterbacks, all these yes. stats, no championships. Yeah. And they right? can't move. Yeah, yeah they right. don't move right. around or, you know, they just throw. That's it. I think that Dan Marino was a generational talent in his time. Mm -hmm. And Phillip Rivers is kind of the, not the top tier, but maybe the next tier down of quarterbacks in yeah. his time. It's just that the league is so much pass happier now than yeah. it was Marino was playing. And so Phillip Rivers has as many touchdowns as Dan Marino. Yeah. While I, while I think that Dan Marino was a much better quarterback than Philip Rivers is. Yes. Um, yes. It's just the way the game has changed. That's the all. The game is, yeah, the game has changed. So again, I'm stepping yeah. on your game, but does that make Frank Gore's 16,000 yards all that more impressive? Because he's, by the way, was I, was I wrong in thinking that he basically retired after he got the 16,000? Because he went, 
into the tunnel, yeah. came back, and then slapped hands with guys, and then went back to the tunnel again. I, I think he was done tonight. But my crazy. I don't think. No, he, but they, don't... they said earlier in the game that he he told the announcers when they do their you know pre production pre game meetings, whatever it is, that he wanted to reach twenty thousand yards. Yeah. Which oh, is really? just absurd. Like he's, he's yeah. There's no way he's sticking around long enough to rush for another four thousand yards. But right. maybe he realized that and he retired right at that moment. I, don't I, know. I felt like it, he was done tonight. That's that's the way I looked at it. But okay. is it is it already strange to say Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Frank Gore? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of <laughs> that strange, is right? weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Actually. All right. It's also Sorry, weird when a running back plays for like 16 years. Like, what the yeah. hell is that? And, and a guy who had knee problems early on, too, when he was coming out of college, he had like a reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. He still managed to do it. Right. I, I think I've had him on fantasy teams like 12 years ago. I had him on a fantasy <laughs> team. Wish we had this. <laughs> I was really excited. Yeah. We did. <laughs> he, was, he was only 32 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for playing the new game with me. I would like to move on to discussing <laughs> things that are starting to pop up in my life that I'm concerned are starting to show that I'm getting old. And I wanted to run this by you guys because you're roughly the same age as me. And just let me know, yay or nay, whether you think this is a sign of me getting old. I really only like to wear slip-on shoes. I've reached a point in my life. I have no longer have oh time God, for shoelaces. And so <laughs> my dress shoes... Uh, I mean, everything except for like running shoes or something like that, obviously, of shoelaces. But otherwise, I really just want slip-on shoes. Gerber, I only wear slip-on shoes now. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, so does that mean we're old or we're awesome? Uh, it just means I'm fat. Yes. Your feet, your um, feet don't fit in laced shoes? <laughs> no, so no. Who's got the time? Who's no, got the time? It means I don't want to bend over because it, oh, it, it, I'm it. out of breath just tying my <laughs> I shoes. I That's see. the problem. So um, I, I think this does mean I will never not wear slip on shoes. Yeah. You guys Excellent. are definitely getting old, but it's not, it, it would be worse if you went back to Velcro. So don't do that. Stay away from <laughs> okay. the Velcro. Good tip. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I Thank will you. say they're not Velcro. I will give you that. <laughs> Over the course of the last two days, Tammy and I spent a significant amount of time putting together a thousand piece puzzle. <laughs> it was a Christmas gift. <laughs> yes. and it was, I actually really enjoyed it. It was it was an accomplishment. What was the puzzle of? It was a bunch of almost like uh, a mashup of postcards of different places to go in Michigan and famous things in Michigan and stuff like that. So I mean, it nice. was so that that doesn't really make you old as much as it makes you ready to check out. <laughs> like, oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like that's. But yeah. I'm not ready to check out. I'm ready to do another puzzle. Yeah, oh, right. There yeah, you go. Well, well, maybe uh, it gives you something. That's actually to focus very on cool. The- <laughs> I think it was very cool of you uh, to do that together. You probably rubbed Ben Gay at each other afterwards. I would assume. No, right? no. How? Oh. When was the last time you did a puzzle? Well, <laughs> just, that would never work. Well, I just thought you guys rolled. <laughs> I thought you guys rolled. Well, that goes to my my next point is my um, nearly constant back pain and the fact that every time I stand up. Now I let out some sort of a groan or a grunt as I'm trying to like loosen my back and get on my feet. Does that mean I'm well, getting I've, old? I've been doing that for 10 years. So yes, I've been old for a long time. Uh, I, I think that's just, uh, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think that just means we're in our forties. Um, I had that before <laughs> I was in my forties. So I was, I was old about 10 years ago. All right. Well, that's all I've got on my, my aging. So I appreciate you guys yeah. weighing in on that. 
Um, I would like to close things out tonight. This is our last pod of 2020. Give me your closing thoughts on the year. Let me know what you think some of your highlights were. Well, uh, highlights. I, I, the, the podcast coming in in the very end of the year was certainly one of them. I, that, Mine too. Uh, absolutely a highlight of 2020. This was a uh, this was a difficult year for everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that assumption. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I think it forced us to reevaluate. Like, how do we how do we stay connected? Our group of guys, you know, you are my brothers through and through, and we've had that conversation for many, many years. Just switching to the weekend, hey, if anyone's available, let's hop on a Zoom or, a, or what have you, was awesome in 2020. And it's something that I think, let's do that forever. You know, um, that, that's one of the biggest highlights to me was forcing our hand to find ways to stay connected, succeeding in doing that. And hopefully that continues going forward, because even if it's just an hour or two on a Saturday night to catch up with you guys, that's always a, a, a highlight of my week and, and every week. Tough act to follow, Tom. That is. I, I haven't been drinking all day. <laughs> All right, take it easy. Um, <laughs> disagree. No, this this was a, a very rough year for a lot of people. Obviously, yeah, the the podcast was actually a positive for everybody. For everybody. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just. I'm going to go ahead and assume it was. I'm going to go ahead and assume it was a positive for everybody, and I don't care what it means. They don't know it. No, but it it was it was a rough year. But and, and a lot of our friends obviously had some difficult situations. Gerbs, obviously, you did, and Timmy, but you know. Our, our friendships kind of pulled us all through a lot of this, uh, the garbage that we've had to deal with. And it's been very difficult. Our trip to Cherry Creek was definitely one of the, the major positives to get all the brothers together and just enjoy just being together out in the country, just in the middle of nowhere. And then getting to go and golf and just being together and realizing that when we all need it, we all needed some time just away. You know, when you're not supposed to be sharing germs and just to have everybody just puffing on the same pipe is... <laughs> It is so good uh, and so so perfect. It's so, it's so great. Yeah. Um, our, our friendship is obviously pandemic proof. Yes, and we don't care about that. We're all going to figure it out, and we're going to have a good time. And, fuck them, we're going to win. And we're going to fuck it, we're going to win. Damn it. And I love you guys, and I love everybody. And I I like doing this show this way so much because I would have never predicted in a, in a million years that that would have been either of your responses. It's cool to, to hear you both kind of hit on the same things and to talk about that same feeling. I mean, I, our group of friends has been lucky this year, but we've also in some way, shape or form been touched by a tragedy or frustrations or difficulties that have hit the, you know, the nation and the world as a whole have hit our little group too. Um, and it's wonderful to know that we can continue 25 years into this to rely on each other and to be good to each other and to help each other. And that's a fantastic thing that maybe 2020 can teach the rest of the country too. Uh, and maybe that needs to be the biggest thing that comes out of a difficult year is that we actually are a community and we actually should be looking out for each other and and hopefully that helps us get from what has been a crazy and miserable year to something better. For all of the bad that this year brought, um, I had a kid graduate from high school that I was very proud of and, and very excited to see. Uh, somewhere in Western Michigan, my daughter is running around tonight on her 21st birthday, which is really unfair to turn 21 during a pandemic. But I mean, it is it is what it is. You know, you make the best of it and you find a way to find joy and the, you find a way to find community and you find a way to find happiness. And I certainly think this podcast is is part of that for us and um, I've loved doing it and I appreciate the amount of time and 
the lack of effort you guys have put into it <laughs> um, because I think it's made it, uh, I think it's made it really great. And I'm looking forward to, to 2021. So we will, with that sign off for the year. And I hope you guys uh, have a great rest of your evening, Tommy, go grab a beer or something, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I will. And I will, uh, I will see you guys in 2021. All right. Happy new year, brothers. All right, boys. Happy new year.